0: Paul is a very interesting person, and going over this message today, you kind of really get into his head, so to speak, because in these few verses in the last part of chapter five, it really is uh, mental gymnastics and trying to pick out what is he really trying to say and Does it have impact in truth or is it just filling up the page in our Bible? And I came to the conclusion that's not what it's about. It's really about preparing us to receive even greater understanding of who we are in Christ. And if we don't get this message right today, the rest of Romans is going to go right over the top of your head. This is core. I I say that every message, don't I? (laughs) But this one is the core of the core. There were two men who affected humanity more than anyone else. Two men affected every living being that has ever walked on the earth and will ever walk on the earth. Two men. No, it wasn't Henry Ford or Neil Armstrong. Remember Neil Armstrong? Neil was a believer in God, but he's gone. And it wasn't Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. So you guys in the computer wars, forget about it. That's not what it's about. And it wasn't even... President Obama and Donald Trump. No, we are in the, the realm of influence by two men Adam, who was created out of dust and is our forefather. Every one of us. Our father is Adam. We're born of Adam. Hey, we're Adam's kids. And there was Jesus Christ, born of a Jewish woman by the Holy Spirit. Those two men have affected humanity more than any other men in the world. Their legacy is what we deal with on a day to day basis. And don't think that you're isolated away from this influence, you're not you're very much influenced by it, by them. Paul dedicates this chapter 5 to these two men and their incredible impact on humanity. Let's read these verses, Romans 5, 12 to 21. So then, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all people because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But there is no accounting for sin when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. Who is a type of him to come? But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if The many died through the transgression of the one man. How much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to the many? The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment resulting from the one transgression led to condemnation, and the gracious gift from the many failures led to justification. For if by the transgression of the one man death reigned through the one, how much more will those who received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as condemnation for all people came through one transgression, so too through the one righteous act came righteousness leading to life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. Now the law came in so that the transgression may increase. But where sin increased, grace multiplied all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, give us Holy Spirit power now. As we think about these verses, as we try to understand what you're speaking to us today, speak to us clearly. Through your word and through my lips, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Romans was written to ICR. Oh, that's the International uh, Church of Rome. (laughs) Chapter 1, Paul, the author of this book, lays out the dilemma of humanity, the sin of all humans who are bent on depravity due to unbelief in a righteous God. Chapter 2, he established that no act of religion solves the dilemma of sin, There must be a change of heart. In chapter 3, he states that the core truth of the scriptures is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God (laughs) displayed publicly as a sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. That was our memory verse. I heard some of you saying it along with me. Keep saying it using the five fingers to remember those phrases. That's Romans 3, 23 to 25. Very key to understanding the book of Romans. Chapter 4, Paul describes how sinful man can become righteous. And in chapter 5, Paul outlines the practical application of how sinful men can be at peace with a righteous God. And that's where we are today. Verse 12 reads, So then just as sin entered the world through one man, Paul establishes the origin of sin and its effect on humanity, which came from one man, Adam. And one of the things that we grapple with in our societies is that we basically, as humanistic societies in the world, consider the goodness of man. And I think that there is merit to what people have proposed, that basically all men are good. Because on the basis of that goodness, we have to have some trust in our fellow men in order to even form a society that will follow the rules, that will be decent to one another. And so because we still have the image of God as human beings, we haven't lost that image. But we've taken upon ourselves a sinful nature in that image. And that is the problem that the Bible, the Word of God, tries to answer is that we are sinners. All of us are sinners. And it doesn't take us too long from birth to two or three years of age. Like I, by the way, I mistakenly said a few weeks ago that it was our oldest son that said, I want it my way. No, that wasn't our oldest son because he was perfect. It was actually our second son. (laughs) And he was a rascal. He caused some of the gray hair that Katie has. But he loves the Lord today, is a very productive citizen, and we're proud of him. Am I losing my mic? Okay. Paul establishes the origin of sin. The result was death. And God said that, didn't he? He said, if you eat, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. In the day that you do, you shall die. And Adam and Eve began to die. And Satan came along with his temptation and brought With him, that gift, that curse of death upon man. And Satan won a victory. And ever since, there has been a contest going on between good and evil in the world. And for us, who are participants, and we all are, don't we have in our heads and minds and thinking that evil is stronger than the good. I think we do. At least I do. I think we're going to discover that Paul is saying, wait a minute, folks, let's rethink this whole thing about evil and good and understand what the good, why is good stronger, more encompassing, And able to save us. Why is the good so powerful? These two men, Adam and Jesus Christ, have had a lasting effect on us. And we're going to discover that. I have placed, uh, if you look in your bulletins or even on the screen now, this whole text into a comparison chart. And each verse in it has the evil or the bad and the overpowering good. Of course, from Adam we received sin and death. From Christ we received grace and life. Let's look into this. In verse uh, 14, there are two points of significance in this verse. By the way, you'll notice a footnote down there that I used the NASB as opposed to using the NET. So Katie was right. The NASB is a better version than the NET. Keep your NASB. You'll need it. Death reigned from Adam until Moses. In other words, reigning tells us what? Raining death reigns. What, what does that mean? Well, to me, I see a throne and I see a king sitting there on that throne. Death reigns from Adam to Moses. There was no law. There was only one command. Don't eat or you'll die. There was no law other than, as we said when we were going through Genesis and as we started in Romans, each of us knows the difference between good and evil. Even little children can tell the difference. Why? And people think, oh, it's because they're good. No, it's because God gave us that ability called conscience. He gave us consciences that knew the difference between good and evil. And we've carried that. It says from Adam to to Moses, that's all they had. After that came the law with Moses and we had the law and our consciences. So we're even worse off after Moses. But we're not going to go there right now. But Adam is a type of him who was to come. Who is him who was to come? You know what basically Paul is saying? He's saying who is a type of Messiah or the Greek word Christos, Christ. And so he's talking about the one who is to come and that is Jesus Christ Death reigned through Adam, and death continues to reign through Adam. But, in verse 15, the gracious gift is not like the transgression. That is key, and that's what Paul will continue to repeat. The transgression or death is not like the gracious gift, or the other way around. The gracious gift is not like the transgression or sin or death. How many of you can quote John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, we've got other translations out there but that's fine. Paul emphatically states but the gracious gift is not like the transgression. Adam's legacy was sin and death. Christ, the Messiah, brought us a gracious gift that it was not anything like the transgression. And Paul will build his argument on that contrast. The next is Adam, for if the many died through the transgression of one man. Okay, so this is what we've got. He says it again. Transgression. Transgression. What, is, what does that word mean? It means that we have gone against. We have aggressed God's command. Don't eat. Oh, that looks so good. I could eat that. Oh, yes. Transgression. Transgressing means going against God, basically. And that's who we are. That's built into us as our DNA or our genetics. All of us have this. None of us can say, no, I've never transgressed. Well, let me look at your driving record. (laughs) Don't look at mine, please. Many have died through the transgression. I was looking up uh, how many from Adam to Moses died or lived. And, of course, many perished in the flood. And there's all kinds of guys out there who are speculating on the population of the world from Adam to Noah. And some people come up with 10 trillion people because of the fact they lived so long. But I think if we look at the realistic number, it's probably more like one billion people. That's very, very, very conservative. But a billion people is a lot of people. And some people say, no, it equals our population today. So type in death or the death rate of uh, uh, those from Adam to Noah. And uh, if you guys are mathematicians, you'll love that, those sites. But um, I got bored after a while. But here's where the good news starts. Many, many died. But in Christ, how much more Paul believes this stuff. Not stuff. Paul believes this truth. How much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to the many? Sin increased because of Adam's death and the law. We're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm a little ahead of myself. But The grace of God multiplies. Who would rather have a dollar a day as a wage? One dollar. You start out with one dollar. And then you multiply it, you double it. And so the next day you get two dollars. And the next day you get four dollars. Day after that you get eight dollars. Day after that you're 16, 32, 64. My math stops right there. But by the end of the month, you will be a multi-millionaire. I wish I could find a boss who will pay me one dollar a day, doubled, for one month. That's all I ask. That's what multiply means. And so, some of you young'uns here, I don't see too many of them, but If you're trying to learn your multiplication table, learn the multiplication table. Don't worry about addition or subtraction. (laughs) Learn multiplication. That's what you need to learn is multiplication. And you know what? Japan is incredible with the multiplication table. You know, in the United States, we have a hard time teaching fifth graders to multiply after, is it seven? I think it's the sevens. Seven times, nanny nani. The Japanese kids, bang, 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 they have it right dead cold. Why can't we do that in the West? All it is is memorization. Anyway, multiply is better than adding. The exponential power of God is multiplied to many. For it says, If the many died through the transgression of the one man, here we go again, how much more will the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to the many? Verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. It's entirely different. It's based on a different scale than is sin and death. That's what Paul is saying. Addition is different than multiplying. It's as basic as that. And that's why when John saw Jesus walk by as he was baptizing, and he looked up and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What do you think that means? How many people have lived on the earth till now? Every one of them were covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Every one of them could have had salvation. Jesus' grace and his work on the cross is enough for every person who ever lived. But Paul says, you know, Try to get your head around that, but let's talk about some more things. For judgment resulting from the one transgression led to condemnation. What am I going to do with this guilty conscience I'm living with? What am I going to do with the condemnation that I feel? With inside myself, let alone anybody else saying, you're no good. Self-condemnation is far worse then somebody's saying, "Oh, your nose is too sharp." Well, I ground it off in a pencil sharpener when I was five years old. I had a little boy ask me that. I've told you this before. He was looking up at me. he says, "He was a Japanese, by the way. He says, "You've got a sharp nose." And I said, "Yes, I ground it in a pencil sharpener when I was about your age." Poor guy, he probably still thinks that's true. (laughs) The judgment led us to condemnation. We have an inclination, all of us, no matter how big your ego is, we have a condemnation problem. And that's part of the sin problem. Not just the death, but the gracious gift. Here we go. Offered by Christ from the many failures, led to justification. Justification, we gave some definitions last week, but it basically is, just because Jesus is in my life, I'm righteous. I'm good. I stand forgiven. Not condemned, even by my own thoughts and by my own inclination of perfection. Jesus is my perfection. He's the one that has lifted me from this condemnation that I feel. Then we have how much more again in verse 17? will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness... Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That's talking about us. This gift of righteousness will reign in life. What's the picture again of reigning? A throne and a king. Did you know that we are kings and queens, I guess? We are kings and queens. We reign in life because of Jesus Christ. The enemy would come by and and condemn us. Consequently, it says in verse 18, just as condemnation for all people came through one transgression, so too through the one righteous act came righteousness leading to life all people. We already talked about God's grace being good enough, wide enough, broad enough, deep enough to encompass every man, woman, and child. I believe in unlimited grace. Kent does too. So in the Reformed teaching, sorry, some of my Reformed people that are listening to my Message right now, uh, please forgive me, but I don't believe in tulips or tulip. Tulip is an acronym for Reformed Theology. And the middle one, both Kent Penner and myself, maybe some of the rest of you, don't really agree with the L in tulip. So we call it tuip. That means it's unlimited, it's not limited grace, it is unlimited. And it doesn't mean that God says, okay, uh, Ace, you're in. Sorry about you, Beth. You're out. (laughs) Who else can I pick on? God doesn't do that to us. He says, this is my grace. Receive from it the feeding of the 5,000. Come on. That's unbelievable. But it's written there. That's the grace of Jesus. He broke the bread. It multiplied. Jesus multiplies things. And that's what he does for us as human beings. It's free for the taking. It's Aki's father. We pray that he will receive Jesus today as you speak to him. The Lord bless you, Aki, as you talk to him. And Joe's father. We saw it happen with Setsuko's mother and also with Mamiko's father. Right at the last minute. God's grace is so great and wonderful. This is what we're all about. This is what we're excited about. So through the one righteous act came righteousness leading to life for all people. Paul still hammered it in there. Get this, get this, get, get this, or you will not understand the next chapters of Romans. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. The disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. I wish Adam hadn't fallen. Why did he do that? Well, because I would come along and have broken it. Someone was bound to do that. And by disobedience. You know, one of the things that people have against Christianity is that we are so into pointing fingers at other people. But someone has said, when you point your finger at someone, there's three more pointing back at yourself. We're all disobedient because of our father. Adam. So also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. He was obedient even to death on the cross. He was obedient to his Father. And that's why we're in. That's why we have power. That's why grace is extended to us because he became the Lamb of God, hung there for us, taking what deserved to fall on our heads for us. And finally, Paul ends up with a triumphant ending here. Now the law came in so that the transgression may increase. But where sin increased, hold it, let's talk about it. Now the law came in so that the transgression may increase. Come on, we don't need more downers. We don't need more talk about, well, you, you guys are sinners and you're, you've broken the law and you're condemned and you're full of death. But when we realize that we're sons and daughters of Adam, that's the consequences of the law. And the law comes in and gives us that. But, as Katie and I were talking this week, if we didn't have laws in Tokyo, let's just think about the traffic in Tokyo. If there were no laws... And you could drive on either side of the street. There'd be head-on collisions with Japanese and Americans every day out on the streets if there was no laws. Because we drive on the other side. And, you know, there's lawbreakers that go up and down this street, uh, this sidewalk in front of this church. They're on bicycles. They're not supposed to be there. They're breaking a law. They're supposed to be on the street. God help them. But we need law. Law points us to Christ. It measures us and says, you don't measure up. You fall short of the glory of God. Now the law came so that transgression may increase, so that grace multiplied all the more. So... We multiply it once, we multiply it again, we multiply it again. That's the idea. Grace keeps multiplying for us. And then finally, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the things that I have struggled with in my growing up and growing up in a Christian home was really understanding what the grace of God is. And I trust that going through these verses like this with a comparison chart that we've used, that you'll understand that there is grace, Ron. There is grace for you in Jesus Christ. And he extends it to you without cost, other than you'll owe him your whole life, but no cost. He's there holding it out for you, saying, take my grace, take my life, into your life, and you'll find life. And he'll bring us into a relationship with the Father. The true Father. And that's what we all long for. We long for a dad. We long for a father who will understand us and be able to sit down alongside us and say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because my son Jesus has already paid it. Don't condemn yourself. Don't put yourself under condemnation. In receiving Jesus Christ, you acknowledge your sin and your need. And he's given it all for you. That's what it means to be a Christian. We're not saying, look at me, how great I am. No, we are saying, look at him. And look at the Father who sent the Son how great he is, what he has done for us. We've sung those songs today. How great the Father's love. That's our Father. We're not under the condemnation and the transgression of our sin. We're reigning with him. Grace will reign. Let that reign in your heart. Knowing that, yes, we've done wrong, but we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We're received. And that makes everything all right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift that you have given, the gracious gift you have given, how much you have given. You've given and given and given. And we receive from you. And there is no condemnation. There is no penalty laid on us. We walk in that freedom, in that joy of knowing that we have a relationship with you in the family of God. Thank you for your grace poured out for us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.